Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And welcome back to the Cooler Jets Podcast. We're with Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, one and two, week four, Sunday Night Football. Not the matchup we were expecting when this was first announced, but this is the Jets' first game on Sunday Night Football since 2011. I mean, actual Sunday Night Football. I guess the Buff Fumble was primetime NBC on Thanksgiving, but it's been a long time. We were robbed of the Rodgers Mahomes matchup, but no matter. Jets started one and two last year. Jets had a similar game last year where they lost to the, the Patriots. Season felt over, and then they they beat the Bills right before their bye, and that kind of rejuvenated the fan base. Going to be an uphill battle in this one. I think uh, everybody is picking against the Jets, but there are a few reasons to be intrigued with this matchup. You know, I feel like I don't want to sell a, a bill of goods here and try to act like we're super optimistic about this matchup because, let's be honest, Chiefs are an offensive juggernaut, defending champs, and the Jets have – Zach Wilson at quarterback. So with that said, Michael, uh, how are you feeling, man? How are you feeling? This is record this Thursday afternoon, a few days out for Sunday night football. Um, not too optimistic. Uh, I think for the <laughs> most tell. part, I'm usually a really optimistic guy, but as, really? as you can attest based on the, I'm pretty optimistic. I think as you can attest with the way I've been kind of the vibes I'm giving off here as we started to record this, not super excited or optimistic this time around. Kind of hard to find the reasons to be optimistic. But with that being said, any given Sunday in the NFL, and as you mentioned, I think going to that Bills game last year, none of us were really optimistic at that point. And look what they went out and did. And also, like you said, before we started recording, the Jets, even you know, with a controversy at quarterback, might even be a better team right now than they were at that point. We had that debate. <laughs> AVT, Brees Hall. And you know some of the other additions, so they they can absolutely win this game. They're capable of winning any game. I think they've proven that with the way they've handled the Bills these last two years, with the way this defense has played. So could they win any game? Sure, but it's very hard for me to sit here and even picture a scenario where it happens. So, but we're gonna get into it and hopefully find some reasons to to some paths, potential paths of victory in this game because. They're tough, but they're there. Yeah, I mean, what's different about this matchup than, let's say, Buffalo week one? I mean, assuming that we they only had Rodgers for four plays. So this is essentially similar matchup, superstar, alien quarterback. Jets going to try to rush four, get home, create t- takeaways, take away the big plays, and then just try to get enough points on offense. You know, this is also a quarterback that Sala for three and a half-ish, I'll say three quarters in the Super Bowl, did exceptionally well against until Mahomes and turned it on in the fourth quarter. Um, 
I don't know. I think defense. I think the Jets are going to keep this game close. I'm not going to predict a win, but I have a few things where I'm like, you know, what? I don't think this is going to be the shit show that we're all expecting with Taylor Swift in the house and the whole nation watching. I think this Jets defense keeps it close. We'll get more into the preview stuff later, but I also, guess we can assure you there will be no stupid song title puns made in this podcast. So don't close. I don't think that. I can even. I don't. I don't know how many Taylor Swift. How many Taylor Swift songs can you name? I can probably name a few, but oh, I would not be using a few. I said a few. I like the like who. Uh, let me. I don't want. I want to give the right credit, but whoever had the tweet that was basically like before every third down, they should just show Taylor Swift and the jumbotron. Just to get, I think I saw that. Yeah, That's I think that was uh, at Zazzy Jets. I think he's the host of the Oklahoma Oklahoma Joe podcast. Like, to be honest, I don't really mind the whole storyline because I just like drama in general. It's fun. She's just who gives even a shit. Not, <laughs> even if you're not like, totally interested in it, it's just a storyline. You know, it's something to pay attention to. But what I don't like is all the brands and you know media people who think they're funny by making puns and stuff like that. You're not funny. Stop it. That's all I have to say. Yeah, we're going to be unhinged on this podcast. If this season really goes down the drain, we have a lot of people that I think we try to keep things professional. Don't go after anybody in particular, but I'll, I'll wait till the bye week, see where we're at. Um, one and two. We'll talk about the Chiefs game, but I guess let's talk about the All-22 for the Pats game. You and I both watched it pretty in-depth. You and I both went through every single Zach Wilson snap and you know, grading the process on it. And you tweeted out some clips on Twitter, sparked some conversations. Uh, we'll start there, and then we'll kind of move through some different topics, then get to the Chiefs game. But yeah, all starts with Zach Wilson. Jets brought in Trevor Simeon this week, which is, I don't know how you feel about it, but I was uninspired when I saw the signing and still kind of feel that way. You, you, you tweeted out some clips of Simeon, and I was like, all right, he's a little better than I maybe thought. The only Trevor Simeon memories I really have is him breaking his leg like three plays into the his Jets debut in 2019. He fit right in. Led right to Luke Falk. Um, what do you think about – I mean, I know I was about to ask about Zach Wilson's All-22, but I, I figure this kind of ties in with it. When you watch Trevor Simeon's All-22, how does it stack up to what, we're, what we've been used to watching as with Zach Wilson these first three games? Well, yeah, I was kind of uninspired at first when I heard the announcement, but then I thought more about it and – what some of the options are right now, the realistic choices. And I don't know. I mean, I guess he's about as far up there as you could go, unless you trade for like a Ryan Tannehill or Kirk Cousins. If they wanted to do that, trade the picks that it would take for a rental, if those guys are available, obviously that would be better. But other than that, I mean, looking at the guys who are available, I would probably put Simeon up there. Wentz is the other guy, and I've – advocate for him as well he would definitely be more exciting and have a higher ceiling but is he more exciting i think there's a lot just because he's a high draft pick and you know was an mvp candidate one season but you, I think you read about some of that before. you read about some of that leadership yeah, stuff too you're like, oh, and there's some of the leadership stuff as well so there i think there's a lot more risk to him than a lot of people realize probably higher ceiling than simeon but the floor i think his floor is he could be exactly what zach wilson is right now that's kind of what a lot of people thought he was with Washington last year. But, I mean, with Simeon, I think he gives you a four that is higher than what Zach Wilson is giving you right now. Uh, he's protected the ball pretty decently in his career, especially the past couple of years. Uh, I mean, the same couple of years ago, he played, I think, six games. And he only had three interceptions, 11 touchdowns. So that ratio right there is more than anything you could hope for with Zach Wilson 
based on what he's shown so far. But I did watch through a lot of that uh, Saints season, some of the film from that. And, I mean, he is what he is. Like, there's no physical talent whatsoever. He doesn't have good arm strength, good anticipation. He's not particularly mobile or anything like that. But I did, you know, the biggest thing right now, which we'll get into when we talk about Zach's film, is in between the years and the decision-making and the processing, the field vision, all those things. Especially in this game, it was the open receivers that weren't capitalized on. And when watching Simeon, I did feel like, because I looked for exactly that, because that's the biggest question we want to answer right now. Can the Jets find someone who's going to hit the open receivers when they're there and the pass protection is good? And I looked for that, and I thought in that respect, he did a pretty good job. He didn't really leave too much on the field when it was open. I don't think he's super fast going through his reads. I'm not saying, like, he's a veteran he's immobile so that means he has an amazing brain in the pocket or anything like that you know he's he's not the fastest going through the reads but i did feel like when something open was there he did a good job getting to it he is i he does have that mike white trait of where he's very patient in the pocket he will stand there and make make throws while taking hits he had a lot of really good throws that year while getting absolutely destroyed so he has that to him he's tough in the pocket um and then i think he does a really good job of he has confidence downfield and maybe it's a little misguided because he's not super talented with the deep throws, but he did hit a couple of them. His deep accuracy in his career is I've been slightly below average based on what the numbers have put out there, which is still quite far ahead of Zach Wilson, who's second worst this year on 20 plus yard passes tied with Mac Jones, only 17% adjusted completion percentage. Simeon was up around 50% in that Saints season, which was middle of the pack. So Decent deep accuracy, but more importantly, he had the confidence to try them. I saw a lot of third and longs where he would push the ball downfield, and so it did lead to some of his interceptions because he can, you know, sometimes challenge windows that maybe he shouldn't be a little over aggressive. But he also hit a lot of deep conversions as well, which Zach Wilson right now seems to be too afraid to try some of those aggressive throws, especially on third and long, where we saw a bunch of checkdowns in this Patriots game. So, I mean, I, for the most part, I think, you know what the ceiling is? He's never going to have a great game for you. If you need to win a shootout, he's not going to do it. But I think some of these games the Jets have lost recently, going back to the end of last season, I do think in those same shoes, Trevor Simeon could win those games for you. This Patriots game we just saw, maybe both of the ones last year. Lions game, I'm not sure, because some of that had to do with you know the lack of deep plays against the Lions team that was playing a lot of man, stacking the box, um, you know, which Zach Wilson did. So that one questionable Jaguars was a total team mess, but at least these last three Patriots games where you just needed the quarterback to not mess up and capitalize on the easy stuff. And that would have been enough. I think Trevor Simeon could have done that. So, so yeah, I think if you know Zach continues to bomb and you have to turn to Simeon, he is the type of guy who at the very least can not blow these games where the defense puts the Jets in a position to win. So I do think he's better quarterback than Zach Wilson right now, barring improvements over the next few games, which hopefully we see because Simeon gives you no ceiling. So yeah. hopefully Zach can outplay him. But I do think if I need to win a game today, but if I need actually this game, probably I'll take Zach Wilson because you want that ceiling against a Chiefs type of offense. But the average game, you know, especially against the Patriots. Any any team where you think the defense can hold it down, I'm going to take Simeon over Wilson right now. 
Yeah, and that's the thing is this team is good enough that if they can just get like 20th ranked quarterback play, they can win a lot of games. They can potentially push for for a playoff spot. And I think that's kind of a good jumping off point for my feelings watching this, this Zach Wilson all 22. Because I think even going back to his rookie year, a lot of people have been tweeting out different BYU highlights and clips. And they're like, what happened to Zach Wilson? And there's a lot of flaws that I guess you could looking back and being like, okay, well, he has five seconds to throw in the pocket at BYU. Who is he playing against? COVID year, no fans, whatever. There are definite red flags. And you and I both talked about them at the time, but there's no denying that he looks like a completely different quarterback flaws aside. And I think going back to his rookie year, we, I remember having this feeling of, you know, you watch him against the, the Panthers his rookie year. He made some mistakes, but he also had some pretty wow, amazing throws. And they lost that game. wasn't particularly close. But looking back at his career, it's actually one of his better games, which is pretty sad to say. And then he has the meltdown against Belichick in New England. And I mean, what was it? Three interceptions in his first 10 passes, something like that. When you and I were both there, it was, it was a clusterfuck. And then I remember Sala saying, you know, the next week going into Denver, Similar messaging that we got heading into this Patriots game. Like, you know, he just can't turn the ball over. We need him to be, you know, that game manager, crawl before you run or whatever he was saying. Like, the messaging was very much like, take care of the football, manage the game, and you're, we're going to see results. And then if you remember that Tennessee game, that's when they kind of just let him throw a lot. I mean, because the Jets got down early and they started having to throw on first down. He was attacking downfield. And ultimately, he had his best game as a Jet. I mean, that's his fourth career game. And I remember heading into Atlanta, we were all talking about, let Zach Wilson loose. This is the type of quarterback he is. Maybe he's just not the game manager type of quarterback. You know, you, you don't want to kill his confidence. You want him firing downfield as the gunslinger. You just have to accept that he's going to make mistakes. And through that, you're going to see some growth. I remember the Falcons game was fairly ugly and not much to to – take note, I guess, over. And then, then he got into the next game and he was out for a month and Mike White and whatever. All that to say, how do you feel about Zach Wilson and the, the way the Jets have coached him? Before we hop into this All-22 and there are plenty of flaws to talk about, what do you kind of think about the the mindset that the Jets have clearly instilled into Zach Wilson heading to this game? Because that's what really jumps out when you see this film. You could tell watching the broadcast, but it's even more evident when you see the All-22 that they clearly beat it into this kid this week. If you don't turn the ball over, we're going to win. And if we're looking for baby steps, this was the first time he was able to play Bill Belichick and the Patriots and not turn the ball over. So, you know, I guess a standing ovation for Zach Wilson on that one. But you know what? Honestly, mentally, for his confidence, it's something. But um, they they clearly said, you know, don't turn the ball over and we can win. And let's be honest, if they didn't have the one blown play, that might have been true. But, you know, ultimately you saw a guy who didn't want to throw into tight windows, was second-guessing himself, was timid, was quick to go to the check down, was quick to bail out of the pocket because I wonder if they also told him, like, hey, you know, C-man coverage, don't be afraid to use his legs. And because of that, anytime the pressure started to, to bear down on him, you, you'd see him rely on that ability to get out of sacks, which is, I would say, pretty elite. But the problem is, is he's not good from the pocket, and so he relies on that ability too much, and it just blows up plays. I mean – He's good at getting away from the sacks, but it's not like he's good at doing anything with that. Um, so anyway, we can hop into the All-22, but I'm just curious to kind of get your thoughts because I think the mindset is going to be different entering this week because, like you said, the Chiefs are so high-powered on offense. The Jets are going to need to be able, going to need to throw on first down. They can't play this conservative style of football. You're going to get, as corny as it is to say, Zach Wilson unleashed, and it might lead to three or four interceptions and a terrible QBR and a meltdown of a game. 
but I don't think the Jets have any other choice. And perhaps looking back, maybe that is how the Jets should have should have played him is because it seems like this is a guy who's lost all confidence in his arm. And you do go back to BOAU and you kind of see that that gunslinger. So what do you kind of make of, of that? Do the Jets deserve any blame for how they've kind of coached Zach Wilson? Or, or is this nothing they could have done? Well, I think you go back to what we said ahead of the Patriots game and we wanted them to unleash him in this game and let them let him throw him first down, take advantage of some of the aggressive defense you get, um, loaded boxes, man coverage, all that. But they didn't. They passed on or they ran on the majority of their first downs. Predictably, they went nowhere and they had to keep throwing out of second, third and long, which with the way he's playing is the last situation you want him, throw, you want him throwing from. So you and I know that it's puzzling as to why they didn't know that going to this game defensive played out exactly as we're saying and and yeah so i think there's something to be said for you know is there a little bit too much of a conservative approach being coached into him this especially after last season you know i think that's where really came in because you know 21 his rookie year it's hard to to say that they may have coached him that way because they didn't have the defense that year. It was an atrocious defense, even if they wanted it to be good. Maybe that was the year they should have just let him turn the ball over a ton. Yeah, it would be a great year to because I know he finished the year with like a bunch of zero interception games, and he had some solid games to close the year, but he wasn't really airing it out. So, I mean, maybe that was the year to just let him run wild and to be more aggressive. But I think last year, once they figured out that this was a really good defense and they won some of those games with him not even playing well, and some of them were, you know, blowouts like the Packers game um I think maybe from that point they started to say after they lost that Patriots game it's maybe a turning point where they said you know just don't turn the ball over play safe and we can win some games especially you you look at that Bills game plan when they beat them last year that was maybe the safest game plan of his career and and he did play pretty well in that game it's one of his better games but it was just such an easy game plan unfortunately it worked with the way the Bills were playing in that game and they were also missing a bunch of defensive starters so that contributed but uh but yeah maybe there's something to be said for it but and if they want to win this week and any game he plays this year they're gonna have to trust him more on first down on on play action on third and long to you know let him let him take some shots downfield because if a quarterback is struggling the last situation you want to be throwing in is when the defense knows he's going to be passing when he has the advantage is when he at least has that leverage of, okay, we can catch the defense off guard. Now we can create some natural throwing windows off that. So you have to trust him to be able to do that early down throws, throws in situations where it's not expected. So yeah, they need to do that. They want to win games, but at the same time, I do think there's, I don't know, because some players just don't have it to be an NFL quarterback. And at this point we've seen Zach Wilson, fail against a lot of different teams with a lot of different game plans and at a lot of different things. And at some point, which I think we've crossed that point by now, it's just clear that a guy doesn't, he just doesn't have it. And that seems like the case here. And he wouldn't be the first guy to have great college film who gets to the NFL and looks like he's completely lost because it's just a massive jump in competition and the complexity of what you need to be doing between the ears to succeed under center at the professional level. So it happens to a lot of guys. Not everyone can be successful. And sometimes you miss on a quarterback. It just happens. So I I think that's what happened here more so than the jets failing with the coaching or anything. And and they didn't do a great job as we know, you know, between the inexperienced staff they put them in with 
the offensive line not being the greatest and you know it was banged up a lot that contributed but didn't do the best job with that uh the weapons i think they did a decent job you know especially in the second season got a really good weapon so not the greatest job of all time but at the end of the day they're has been enough, especially we saw it on the film last year that the opportunities were there and they're just not capitalized on. So ultimately I think this just boils down to, you know, he doesn't have it, but at the same time in this situation right now, if this is where they are and if they want to make it work as best as they can, you got to live and die with Zach Wilson, letting it rip. If it gets ugly on Sunday night football, it gets ugly, but yeah, you know, it sure beats running into walls all day and, losing that way because that might not be as potentially embarrassing but it's it has a higher chance of leading to a loss than just taking the risk of maybe he'll make some mistakes but he also might hit a few bombs and maybe you can win the game yeah like you said like i do think there's a good chance that he he just doesn't have it but i also do think and i said this in the last pod i i have i can't shake this feeling and you push back on this that he's going to be like gino in four or five years because he clearly has the physical talent that very few quarterbacks have. It's the mental stuff. It's the processing. It's the pre-snap. And we'll hop into some of it. But I do think just in terms of their philosophy for this game, I think the, you have a defensive coach. They are better than expected last year. And I think – and also people kind of forget that he missed all of August and September his uh, second year, right? Because he got hurt in that first yeah. preseason game. And, like, I do think that – sets him back a little bit. He gets back into the driver's seat and this defense is winning games and the mentality just shifts to don't hold us back. Just don't turn the ball over, manage the game. And I do feel like that's just not the quarterback Zach Wilson is, especially early in his career. This offensive line also isn't good enough to carry the run game in, in loaded boxes. I mean, I think that's the other thing. And and like you were saying this last week and I agreed with what you were saying, but I kind of did, I did have the same mentality as Sala and the Jets last week of like, hey, your defense is elite. You can beat the Patriots at home if Zach doesn't turn the ball over. And that's clearly was the messaging. But I think looking back on it, it's like, hey, this offensive line isn't good enough like the 09-2010 Jets where they can run against stacked boxes and, and run on first down and keep themselves in second and third and short and manageable and not put too much on Sanchez's shoulders and then have stifling defense on the other side of things. I think – with Zach Wilson and with this current offense and defense, like you said, the best situation for Zach is is when he's confident, but and that's going to come on throwing on first down, keeping him in easier situations. Because And you could definitely see this from his BYU film, and one of the things that people talked about in the scouting report is this is a guy who can run a really good play-action offense for you. And I'm not sure necessarily how, how true that is, but some of his best plays have definitely come on play-action. And play action is not going to work if you're running every single first down because clearly the mindset was like, we're going to impose our will on the Patriots early on and we're going to grind out these yards. But all it did was just, like you said, the Jets were predictable. Nobody's really biting on play action because how often do they even – I mean, some of his better throws in this Pats game, like the the rollout to Conklin, he had a rollout to Uzama, were off play action. Um, so they ran it a few times, but if they come out hyper-aggressive and they're running play action on first down, which is – my opinion, probably the best time to run play action, run play action on first down, throwing early. That's going to open up Brees for later in the game because clearly he's your second best offensive player. I understand you don't want to put too much on Zach Wilson's plate, so you want to run the ball. But I think in order to run the ball, they have to throw early. You know, it's like we always look at like 
run the ball and that'll help free up the pass. But the way that defenses are playing right. Zach Wilson, the opposite now. It's the opposite in the league in general, but especially with this, yeah, right. And like Brees Hall can be your fourth quarter player. I mean, that has that is how this team was kind of designed, especially when they drafted Will McDonald. They're like, we think we're going to be playing with a lot of leads this year, and we have Bryce Huff, and we have this defense that takes away big plays and creates explosive uh, explosives of their own with sacks and and takeaways. So it's like. I think you just have to to run that same philosophy, but just be willing to accept that Zach Wilson's going to have a ton of turnovers and he's going to make mistakes, and that's also going to be on Zach to not mentally lose it when he when he starts throwing interceptions and fans are booing. Because I think it's just like I'm okay with Zach Wilson throwing one or two interceptions a game if he's able to get you know three touchdowns on the board. I'm not saying all him, just three scoring drives, four scoring drives, and this defense is good enough to if you do turn the ball over to limit the damage because they're so good on the plus side of the field. They're good at holding teams to three. They're good at preventing big plays and they can take the ball away themselves. So I think, I do think you're going to see that this Sunday, a shift in in mindset where it's like, Hey, we have a great defense, but instead of playing defensive with this, we're going to have to play offensive and rely on this defense to help get us out of of bad jams and and bad situations. Um, So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to seeing on Sunday. If, If they get out of there with the classic three yards and a cloud of dust, and I guess that's kind of Hackett's forte of like, grind it out, impose ourselves physically, run the ball, and then throw. I just think you're asking for Zach Wilson to fail again. You got to get him thrown early. It'll lighten up the boxes for Brees. You can use that play-action game on first, and this defense is good enough to, to make up for any any mistakes. I think that's kind of the way right. they, they should view it. That's a key point, too, because I think that's something that they miss. An advantage of having a great defense that they don't maximize enough is the fact that like, you don't have to win games just on the strength of the defense and not making mistakes offensively. They can also bail you out for offensive mistakes. That's another, like that's why a lot of teams are so confident going on fourth down is because they know, especially teams that have a good defense is because they know if we fail, we have the defense to make the stop, get the ball back, limit the damage. It doesn't always have to be, you know, you go for a fourth down, you miss it. You give up a touchdown. You're screwed. Like a good defense can also be a backbone to help the offense play with the freedom to be aggressive. It doesn't always have to be, hey, offense, play extremely safe and let the defense give up zero points, relying them to win the game in a shutout or something. Like, they can also back you up. So that's something that they need to do more of. And I know you want to support the defense and not put them in bad situations, but they can also give you the freedom to air it out. So that's something they should do. Yeah, and so talking about this Zach Wilson All-22 I mean, you put out some clips on Twitter that were uninspiring. I will say, you know, I think it's we, – we don't want to overestimate how much you can actually see from the pocket on the field. Like, it's very easy to, to watch the All-22 and be like, there's an open receiver right there. But when you look at the play pre-snap and you say, okay, what are the routes they're running? What does the defense look like pre-snap? What does the defense ultimately do? You know, what's his process? Where are his eyes – as soon as the ball snaps, because what I noticed watching this game is they're not having him read the full field that often. He's pretty much cutting the field in half and reading one side. And so sometimes it's like the receiver on the backside will get wide open. And it's like, okay, but that's not what he's, he's worried about right now. He's worried about staying in rhythm, going one, two, three ball out. And those elite quarterbacks can scan the whole field or field certain things. There's a few plays we could talk about where you'd want him to realize, Hey, that backside fade to Garrett Wilson's going to be open. Let me hit it. But those aren't the plays that honestly discourage me uh, that much. There are a few other plays where it's pre-snap, where it's like, you know, even I or Michael, who I would imagine Zach Wilson has watched hundreds of more hours of film than I and, and, and Michael, 
But yet, yes. yeah, I don't know why I said it weird. Um, but yet, when you look at the pre-snap, and it's like, there's one in particular, I'm, I'm trying to think of, you know, this is a podcast, it's going to be hard to describe. It's right before, when is it? It's like in the third quarter, you know the play I'm about to talk about. It's like third quarter, seven minutes to go, right before Garrett gets mad on the on the sidelines. The third down is the play that you posted that a lot of people got mad about, because you see Garrett gets wide open on this on this back shoulder fade, and the Pats are running this, this exotic cover to look and there was a giant window for Wilson, but Zach Wilson's not looking that way. He's reading the right side of the field because of what he saw pre-snap and there's issues with that play, but ultimately he checks down to Conklin. They have to punt, whatever. And people were mad about that play, but the play that pissed me off a lot more was the play right before that, which was a drop to, to Lazard. And when I watched that on the broadcast, I was like, damn it, Lazard. Like I, I didn't really, you know, when you see the broadcast, you see Zach going his drop, Back foot hits, step up, throws to Lazard, drop by Lazard. And you're like, all right, that's not on Zach. But then you see the all 22 and you just look at it. And it's like on the right side, he's got Cobb in the slot and Garrett Wilson out, out wide. And he's got, it's man coverage. It's single high man coverage. Even if it's cover three though, just on the alignment. And again, this is hard to describe on a podcast. Cobb's running a little out. And then I think it was like second and 12. And, and Garrett from outside is running a, a little dig right at the sticks. And it's man coverage, off coverage. And either Cobb or Garrett is going to be open on that play, just based off of how they're how they're aligned. Because either that linebacker is going to have to go cover the flat, in which case Garrett's going to be open, or that linebacker is going to gain depth and somebody else is going to be tasked with the flat. And if that's the case, Cobb's going to be open. So just pre-snap, and I don't know the rules, I don't know what they're telling Zach in the year, whatever. Pre-snap to me, that's like I don't even care about the left side of the field. This is free yards to set up a, a third and short or get a first down to Garrett here, and yet he's reading the left side of the field where there's a corner. There's two safeties, a linebacker, all sorts of conge- uh, congestion. You know, the box safety comes underneath and he's throwing the double coverage to Lazard. And it's like, you know, the process from post-snap is fine there from Zach and the ball placement's good. But pre-snap, you're like, why is he reading the left side of the field? And that happened all game. Uh, there were a number of times where he's ignoring Garrett. Um, so I don't want to go on for too much of a tangent here, but kind of what'd you make of, of the all 22 and we can start with some of the pre-snap errors where it's like, we're not football geniuses here, but like, this seems fairly rudimentary. Like I'm pretty lenient when I'm grading him. I try to be as optimistic as possible here. And it's like that play pissed me off probably more than any other play in the entire game. Well, yeah, I, I think first of all, it's important to know exactly what you said when you, when you started describing this is the fact that just because you see a guy open on the tape and you're looking at the all 22, it doesn't always mean the quarterback should hit him because it's not Madden. I mean, even though Bryce Petty tried to get good by playing it, it doesn't mean that it applies to the real game because, you know, it's it, we underestimate how hard it is to see things back there. You can only really read probably half the field at once. You got six, five guys in front of you. Um, so they don't have eyes in the back of their head. They have progressions they need to go through, which we don't always know exactly what those progressions are. Um, so just because there's a guy open, it doesn't always mean that guy should be hit on that particular play, considering the circumstances. And you know, with the plays I put up, some of them might be excusable, some of them not. Uh, I just wanted to post. I, I was just going through it, and I put up everything that I thought was interesting, and like I, you know, for the most part, let people kind of decide what they want to think. But um, you know, for the most part, I did think the majority of them or clearly mistakes, some of them debatable, but, uh, but yeah, that's always important to keep in mind, but I agree with you. One of the biggest issues is not necessarily seeing things and failing to throw to it. It's more so he's not getting to them because of the pre-snap decisions. And this one play you laid out 
is a really good one. I pulled I pulled it up here so I could look at it and kind of describe what we were seeing. So it's second and 13, and it's the third quarter. They're still down by 10 in the situation. But yeah, like some of the pre-snap decisions just don't make sense because on this play, he's got to his left side, Lazard and Conklin. Lazard's outside, Conklin's in line. He's got Hall to his left as well. So that brings a linebacker over there. So there's a lot of traffic on this side of the field. You got two linebackers over here plus two defenders on Conklin and Lazard. So that's a lot of traffic. And then what you're talking about on the other side, you got Cobb in the slot. He's going into the flat towards the sideline. And then you got Garrett Wilson running a little dig. And both of them are one-on-one with the guy across from them. There's no extra traffic other than a safety. who's way 20 plus yards down the field. So that side to me seems a lot more, again, we're not in the huddle. We don't know the reads. We're not in the NFL. We're sitting here doing a podcast. Zach Wilson's the same age as us, a year older, and he's out there in the field. So what do we know? With that being said, the way the play plays out clearly was a better decision because Garrett Wilson is there. They play man-to-man. Cobb takes his guy into the flat. Wilson's got a big cushion. He runs the dig, and he is open for maybe not first down, but would be just short of it on second and 13. So there's stuff like that where he's just not – doesn't seem like he's picking the right side. That leads to him missing a play because he's not where you want him to be in terms of the progression. Uh, and then there are, I think there are also some plays like the third down that comes after this, where he checked it down to Conklin. Garrett Wilson was wide open on that fade. Um, and it seems like that was a play he was complaining about that viral clip. Everyone saw it on CBS where he was yelling on the sideline, hack it at the tablet. Um, plays like that are different because the decision makes sense because on this play, He's not looking at Garrett when he breaks wide open on that fade. He starts on Randall Cobb's side because the pre-snap look looks like cover zero. They've got the box stacked. There's eight potential rushers, and then it's man-to-man on three receivers. But give Belichick credit. He does a crazy exotic look here, and they drop into cover two out of that. So based on what Zach saw pre-snap, you think it's cover zero. Randall Cobb's got a seam route here. He would be wide open if that's what they run. If that's me, Cole who's uh, yeah, especially if that's McCall Hardman. So that's another problem we can get into. But it's Randall Cobb. And even Cobb would probably be open if this was zero, which, you know, based on the way they're lined up, it, there's a good chance they're going to do that. But Bill Belichick is a crazy man against the Jets. He knows he can do anything. And they're going to cover two out of this, which is wild. I don't personally don't see that a lot. Um, so you, starting on that side, fine. Makes sense. But for me, like where the problem comes in is that he should be able to read that quickly enough and understand, okay, this is denied. They rotated into something different. It's not zero like I thought. Let me get to my backside with Gary Wilson. That should be there based on this look. So I think there are some things yeah, but like that, that where he's also struggling. But does that where, really align know, with what we've been asking him to do? We're not we're like we're still grading him on the number two overall pick scale where it's like we just said yeah, last so week. I, I last week we said what, we just any want twenty should be able to do it. Not really. I mean, any quarterback should be able to do that. Like, how that many play? plays are we going to look at here and say, okay, it's just a they didn't get the right look no. against the coverage they wanted? And I know, he but that specific able, play, it's fine. Third and thirteen, they have only got three options here open. Like, why is it okay to throw a check down to Conklin? Well, first of all, wide if open that, on the other side, if that's Hardman, I feel like they have a better chance. We can get into that, like you said. But he looks at Hardman. Covered. He looks at Lazard. Covered. He dumps it off to Conklin. It's like, yeah, okay, maybe a better quarterback like the one the Jets are going to face Sunday 
can feel the rotation. And he does, like we said, he doesn't have eyes in the back of his head and can dump it off backside to, to Wilson who's open. But it's like, I watched that play and it's like, okay, you can criticize it. Obviously not great quarterback play, but there are about 10 other plays that are a lot more rudimentary and a lot more are going to make the difference between the Jets winning and losing a lot more games than that type of play. That type of play is an above and beyond quarterback play for me in terms of like, what are they asking him to do? And it's not for him to get through four or five reads and hit the backside. It's like they're splitting the field in half. They're trying to make it as simple as possible for him. There's a lot to criticize there, but it's like, I watch this game and I see he's in and I'm going to sound like the biggest Zach apologist, but I'm just trying to be fair. It's like every single time they ask him to throw it's third or eight or longer. And then you see a lot of hesitancy and him not wanting to make a mistake. I just don't feel like it's a a winning formula. And like the play right before that, to me, was the worst play because that's like rudimentary football pre-snap. You should see that one-on-one. Even if it's cover three, even if it's zone or it's another exotic look, Cobb would be open. So regardless, he had to read that pre-snap. And there's even like the play that you tweeted out, like, and I don't know necessarily who this is on. It was the second play of the game where he flips the, the run to the right. Now, somebody replied to you and was... And so, you know, I want to be fair here, but on the broadcast, you can hear him yelling yellow Wanda, which is, and then, and then uh, McGovern goes like, no red Wanda, which if I, if we're going to decipher that, I guess that's run left or run or run right. And McGovern's like, no red Wanda, red Wanda. And then Zach flips it. Okay. Red Wanda, they run right. It's a minus five yard play. And so you look at that and you're like, what did he see pre-snap to flip it to the right? And so that to me is a lot more concerning. Even if that one's on McGovern, there's examples all over the game where it's like he's reading the wrong side of the field. And that's more concerning than, me, than him not feeling the backside Garrett getting open against this exotic rotating coverage, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, like you can take your pick in terms of which mistakes you think are the worst, but the bottom line is that there's a lot of them and there are plays to be made that aren't being made. So, yeah, he's... Holding, holding the team back a lot, but this is what they got right now. This is his last shot, it feels like, potentially, to show them that he deserves to keep the job going forward. And if it's if he's going to do that and if they're going to have a chance to win, they have to you know, just let him rip and not give him these type of reads where it's like, hey, check deep. If it's not there, check it down. Because it's just safe football, and if it didn't work against the Patriots – it's not going to work against the Chiefs, and it's not not going to work against most teams. So they need to just give him the freedom to play, and if it leads to three picks and he can't win a game in that fashion either, which I don't believe he can because he's had plenty of time to show it, but if that happens, then you have your answer. It's time to move on to T-Money Wiggle, as he's called. <laughs> yeah, so why um, is that his nickname on Pro Football Reference? What is that about? Try I was looking it up. There might have been, I think there some play with the Broncos, some teammate called him. I don't know. I'd have to do further research, but he's got three really good nicknames. There's T-Money Wiggle, there's T-Money Sizzle, and there's T-Dot. So you got three great nicknames there. I like T-Money I don't think Wiggle. Zach Wilson has any nicknames, so that proves Trevor Sanders. Yeah, I mean, I, I No, think... that, that's true. That's true. That's <laughs> yeah. not appropriate for pro football reference, though. That's true. Yeah, I mean, the only other positive... I mean, nobody wants to hear positives. Is his ball placement and accuracy is definitely better than last year, which is the only reason I think I feel any sort of like, all right, maybe, maybe we'll see a good Zach Wilson game this year if they just let him throw on first down. Because last year it felt like, well, you don't want that guy throwing at all because he can't at all. This year the accuracy has been good. It's just, I think you just have to be willing to live with some of the mistakes. It kind of felt like 
week one, they started to open it up. They, they were letting him throw, and then he threw that pick to Milano, and then immediately after that, they had no confidence. The rest of that game, it was just run, run. They put nothing on his on his shoulders. And then last week against Dallas, or two weeks ago or whatever, against Dallas, kind of a similar game plan they had against New England, which is they want to run on first down. They want to establish themselves on the ground. They want to be a run-first defensive ball club, but I just don't think you can win football games if you don't have that 2009 Jets offensive line or in today's NFL. I think they just felt like he didn't have the internal clock when he first came to the NFL because his offensive line was so good at BYU and you can see they've clearly coached into him. It's like, you know, one, two, check down. Like they're have they're very they're making it really simple for him to read one side of the field, go through two reads and get to the check down. I mean, even the offense, if you if you watch, it's like a lot of times the tight end and Randall Cobb, who's playing a lot more than Miko Hartman, a lot of times they're run, just running like clear-out routes. They're not even running real routes that Zach is really even targeting. Most of the targets are going towards Garrett or Lazard. And, like, yeah, he has – or the check down. But it's like most plays that you watch, it's like, why is he Zaman so much? And it's like I watch him when he's running routes. A lot of times it's just to, you know, clear up space or take a defender out against man coverage. And it's the same thing with Randall Cobb. Or they'll have the tight end or the running back stand, chip, and then get open for the check down. And it's like, I think that's other issues with this offense too, where it's like, you know, if you put a guy like Hardman in there, it's like, I feel like you, he has another option to, to get to. They're simplifying things so much to the point where it's like, there's really only a receiver or two it can go to on this play. And then it's check down time. And it's also, they try to drill into him that he can go, you know, he has the legs to scramble. But the problem with that, especially in this, this Pats game is when you rely on that ability too much and the Pats try to make you play from the pocket, you just see it wreck plays like three or four times. It just takes his eyes off downfield and it wrecks plays. So I don't know. I think it's, it's mindset and philosophy. And like, look, like this is, you know, I, it's hard not to sound like a Zach Wilson apologist. If you're <laughs> going to try to be any level of optimistic, this is clearly not the situation any of us wanted to be in week four with this team. I'm just saying like only chance they have, I think is to just be aggressive with Zach on first down I think that'll open up their play action game. They got the defense to survive it. You know, you've seen some strides, not good enough, but the way they're playing in this safe mindset, they're not going to win. They'll win four games all year. So I just don't think that's who Zach Wilson is. Maybe with Trevor Simeon, you can play that mindset. But even then, I don't think you have the offensive line to be able to run against stacked boxes like that. So. I don't know. That was a lot on, on Zach. Do you have anything else on the all 22, I guess, new offensive line, your thoughts on, on Hackett using the personnel we kind of alluded to earlier. Uh, I, can... I thought the new offensive line was pretty good for the most part. I mean, the run game is hard to evaluate because it was so unfavorable down to down. Like there were a lot of plays where you look at the blocks individually, like this looks pretty good, but then the run gets stuffed because there's just, one more guy than they can block. Then you also have plays like the one you mentioned where they're just checking into a run where Brees Hall loses six yards immediately, even though everyone hits their block because they're just outnumbered. So kind of hard to evaluate the run game, but pass protection I thought was pretty solid. I mean, for the most part, the pockets were clean and any any supposed pressure that came wasn't there until, you know, until – Zach held onto the ball too long and started to make things happen. But ABT at right tackle, starting to buy into that. I mean, I've been an advocate of keeping him at right guard. That's his best position. But this is four games now. I mean, one of them, he didn't play too much before he went out. But four starts now, right tackle. No sacks, no hits, only three hurries. 
for him. He only had one allowed in this game. So he looks really good in pass protection out there because just the quickness and athleticism he has against the type of rushers you face out there. Like in this game, he faced Junon. He faced Josh Uchi, who's been who's basically the Patriots version of Bryce Huff. He's one of the best situational rushers right up there with him. Two really fast guys, and he just has the quickness to stick with them that a lot of tackles don't have. So that kind of makes up for his lack of length. So the pass protection for AVT at right tackle is really inspiring. Better, I Tipman was better really than good. it was inside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, it definitely. I mean, I think you hope the run blocking ceiling, or you you would think it's higher at guard. Um, that's the appeal of playing him there. But he had he was having some struggles in pass protection the first two games. Obviously, most notably on the play that cost him a touchdown at the end of the first half, the Cowboys game. So there were, and even last year, a guard didn't start the season the greatest. So his, I think we're starting to see that it's pretty clear his pass protection is better at tackle. And I don't think the run blocking is, I do think it's a downgrade, but not enough to cancel out the tackle uh, or the, the pass protection. So Maybe that's his spot. We'll see going forward if that's what they want to do. But I'm I'm starting to buy in. We need to see more games, but it's looking good. Uh, I thought Tibbin was really good in pass protection. He was credited with no pressures allowed. There, there was the holding he took at the end, but he got tripped in that play, and he just took it to prevent what probably would have been a sack. But other than that, I mean, really good recognition. The Patriots threw a lot at him, a lot of complex pressure schemes. You know, we had edge defenders looping inside. We had all kinds of blitzes, you know, showing blitzes and dropping, a lot of creative stuff uh, uh, in the A-gaps. And he was picking up a lot of it for the most part. I mean, really no big mistakes from him. Um, thought Be- I thought Becton was okay at left tackle. He did lose a couple. He obviously was safety, but um, he did have a tough job in this game because, you know, Jets were holding the ball for a long time. He had to win a lot of one-on-ones for extended periods. And for the most part, he held up just a couple of mistakes in key spots, but he wasn't getting consistently dominated. But um, I do want to see more still from Tomlinson and McGovern, uh, especially Lakin. I mean, the bounce back year we were hoping for, I don't think we're seeing it. In this game, I feel like he no. got bull rushed a lot yeah. and was in Zach's lap quite a Schweitzer. bit. So it's just not happening. So Schweitzer, I agree. Is the is the move when he's healthy, which I'm pretty sure he didn't practice today. I have to double check that. But um, once he's back, it's time to start thinking about making that change because I don't care how much money he's getting paid or how supposedly good of a locker room guy he is. The performance just isn't there. It's not happening. So, yeah, I would consider making that move soon. Is is that something you would do as soon as Schweitzer's ready? Yeah, but I think they'll probably wait for for an injury or see what happens with McGovern because I yeah. think they're paying Lake and so much money, and I think also they want to develop that continuity and chemistry between a single offensive line unit. And it's like Lakin hasn't been great, but you know he's got back what to do you next. Think of, do you remember when Rogers said essentially that he thinks the whole offensive line chemistry thing is overrated at the end of the off season? Do you, do you agree with that? Do you think? There's something to what he was saying there. I'd have to pull up that quote, but I know he said something along those lines. Maybe overrated, um, especially for the tackles. But I think on in the interior, it's definitely important in terms of like handling stunts. It feels like a lot of interior pressure comes from miscommunications. So, you know, I don't know if that's as much chemistry or coaching. 
but I, I would imagine that the same unit playing next to each other over the course of a season, they would probably get better, but because they would see the same stuff more often and have that experience. But I could see what he's saying. Like, it's not at the end of the day, like a lot of it comes down to winning your one-on-one matchups. And so if you're not doing that, it doesn't matter if you have continuity and Lakin seems to lose a lot of his one-on-one matchups. So, but at the end of the day, he is also getting paid like $17 million. So I think it's going to take a lot to get him on the bench. What do you make of the uh, rest of the, the personnel usage and kind of like what other changes they could make offensively heading into this, this chiefs game? Because I think a lot of us have been talking about get Michael, get Michael Harmon on the field. I keep calling him Michael. Get McCall Hardman on the field. Get Xavier Gibson on the field. More Rucker. Banish Dalvin Cook to the to the inactive list and bring up Bannacanda. Like, there's all these personnel changes we want to make. But what do you think are the most realistic for this Sunday? And then also philosophically, I mean, we've talked about the obvious stuff of like running more on first down or passing more on first down, and that'll open up the play action game. But like, I don't see enough pre snap motion. I don't see any of those design touches no. that I think you could give. I think you could give Xavier Gibson three or four design touches every game on offense that are, I feel pretty good about being positive yards. Um, so what are some of the things that you want to see, I guess, offensively on, on Sunday, if they do open up the playbook? I mean, some of the personnel changes just feel obvious at this point, based on the performances they're getting from other guys. And it's baffling why they're not making them, especially Rucker going down to one snap in this game after the, the way he played in those first two games, making the most of his reps. It, just didn't make any sense especially if you you know put out this supposed mission of wanting to run the ball and like Sally used that as one of his excuses for not playing Hardman that you know one of the things he said is that whether we're using 13 personnel getting three tight ends out there you didn't do that you played in one snap so you're making things up um so like I don't get that at all and to to be fair and you and I both realize this Uzama did his job in this game he wasn't bad in this game he had a pretty solid blocking game a rare one it doesn't make up for the whole body work to this point but credit where it's due i i was looking for clips because you know i want to back up what i'm saying with some film but wasn't there in this one he did his job so doesn't change the fact that ruckert has been awesome when he's been out there and he has way more pass catching upside than uzama does who's still running routes in the slot and on the outside despite having no ability or any any reason to be doing that at all? Uh, well, it's so a, it really sinks the offense when they have Cobb, Cobb and Uzama out there, and they even had, yeah, they had yeah. the, the holy grail. They had Dalvin Cook, Uzama, and Randall Cobb out there on one of these plays, and I was just like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that, that's another thing you and I mentioned when we were just watching through this film, play to play. It's like the the team speed suffers from those guys. Uh, I know Uzama maybe maybe he's decently fast with the ball in his hands, but as a route runner, he's probably the stockiest, most slow-footed route runner in the entire league. I mean, other other tight ends yeah. are like that too. But just for a guy who you're putting in that position, it's just not Davis. the requisite level. Yeah, it's like you. no one's threatened by that at all. It doesn't change anything. And then watching Cobb, some of the routes that he's running, because like you said, a lot, of, a lot of what they're asking him to do is clear outs down the field, whether he's running a crosser or just going vertical. And like the speed is not there. And you feel like if Hardman were in those shoes, you know be more of a threat and demand more respect and even in some situations maybe have enough speed to separate a little bit and be an option but Cobb doesn't have that so it does not make sense at all especially when he's dropping easy passes he dropped a very very easy four yard pass in this game he can't block 
he missed a block on a screen to Garrett Wilson that cost him a lot of yards. There was a lane there for maybe a touchdown of about 50 yards because Lazard had a really good block, who, by the way, has been blocking really well this season. He's lived up to that. Um, So Cobb's bringing nothing to the table, and it just feels like Hardman, even if maybe, okay, maybe you worry about his route running, his drops, whatever, just the fact that he is significantly faster than Cobb. You're probably talking about the top of the line versus the bottom among receivers. Changes everything about how defenses are going to play him and should open up other things for the offense and the run game as well. Just having that motion threat, a guy who defenses are going to react to, can open up lanes for a run game that needs all the help it can get with the way that defenses are playing. So it's just so hard to understand why they're not doing it. And they give these reasons in press conferences that are clearly just cliche cop cop outs. They don't believe what they're saying. Like Hackett came out again today and he said, um, essentially they, they, they didn't have enough plays to get Hardman and record out there, which he doesn't believe that that's not the real reason, whatever the real reason is, they don't feel confident saying it to the public. They don't want to say it to the public. Maybe it's because they struggle in practice. They're messing they up the finer details. They, yeah, the finer uh, details. Here's, it's you want, pro- you it's want, probably something like that. You want an underrated but, guess? Sure, sure. I think that a lot of this offense, and this is, again, maybe a criticism of the Jets coaching staff in the wake of not being able to adjust after Rodgers going down, I think a lot of the offense was designed with Corey Davis out there as well. I think they wanted to have kind of two physical blocking receivers. I could be wrong, but when you see what a lot of what Cobb is tasked to do, and again, we don't know what this offense would have looked like to the, its fullest potential with Aaron Rodgers. And look, they've had like, what, five weeks since Davis, what, six weeks since Davis retired. So they've had plenty of time to adjust. But that's the only thing I can think of is like Cobb brings you blocking the veteran, can clear out routes. Um, because the thing I would want to do is I'd want to see more Lazard in the slot and more Hardman outside. And you could task Lazard with doing some of that, those, those clear outs because he has the size and physicality to do it. And then also a lot of times it's like, you know, Cobb might do the clear out and then he's kind of open over the middle, but it's like, are you really trying to throw that, you know, clearing a second level defender to, to hit it to Randall Cobb? It's like, but you have a big six, five receiver out there over the middle. That's a lot easier of a throw to hit. Um, but then you do that, do you sacrifice some of the, the run blocking with Hardman out there? I mean, that's the only thing I can think of is like they plan to have Davis and Lazard out there, and so that's why they're playing more Randall Cobb than Nicole Hardman. McCole Hardman, Jesus. But it's not really an excuse. It's just trying to rationalize it. Yeah, it's probably something like that where it's like in practice, the veteran guys show better understanding of the offense, whether it's in the film room or just – execute in practice something like that i'm sure that's what it is harvard does a great job on clear out though it's only two reps and both of them are clear outs and both times he did a good job yeah he 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 did exactly what we're talking about like the two reps he played just showed the impact that his speed has the way he could the one play he carried both the safety and the guy who was covering man to man just totally cleared him out and there was space underneath um and then yeah sal that was another ridiculous excuse he made he said yeah, well, we we tried to get him out there early versus New England, but didn't go the way we wanted to. He's out there for two plays. How can you make that? He did a good job in both plays. <laughs> so, what are you talking about? So, yeah, it's probably something like that on the practice field, where you know the finer details. But it's just hard to buy into that when we're watching the games and the guys who are playing ahead of them, they're not doing those things either. Uzama's blocking has been bad for the most part. Again, give him this game, whatever. But first two games were terrible. And then Cobb is dropping easy passes. And when has he 
been open aside for you know there were a couple plays where zach missed them but for the most part those were plays that were but the one was a blown coverage like the corner route he was open on the other one where he's open over the middle you give him credit for that but it was a really favorable route like just a one-on-one he's just running a slant or a drag whatever over the middle i think gibson or hardman would separate in the same situation so other than that he hasn't really been open so where are we seeing the those they had to come into play for him. the specific play, but they also had him run a nine route from the outside. And I'm like, what corner is threatened by Randall Cobb on this deep route? <laughs> and I'm trying to remember the exact no. play because it, it did affect, because it, it was in essence, another clear out route, but it did affect. Um, I'm trying to remember. Ex- ah, damn it. I can't remember the exact play, but anyways, it did affect the play. Like if you had more speed there and Harbin's able to draw the corner of the safety deeper, it, I think it opened up like a crossing route. But because Cobb takes 10 seconds to, to run 30 yards, and also he's on my shit list for dropping that Hail Mary, which is funny just to think how the entire narrative of the game would have changed with nothing changing at all. That, that's so that's so, that's what's so funny about football. He catches that pass, and it's like, Zach Wilson leads the Jets over the Patriots. The resiliency. He'd have like 220 yards or whatever. Yeah. He'd get like 50 on that play. <laughs> Two dimes back to back. You have a touchdown pass in there. So it's hilarious how much. And then Cobb's a hero all of a sudden. We're like, oh, that's why he's playing. Because he learned that playing with Rodgers. <laughs> the whole narrative changes. Like I I for a second thought he had it because the, the angle on TV was like it was blocked for a second by somebody. And you couldn't see it. So you're like, someone must have it. And you saw Cobb right there. So that, that would have been crazy. But they, they didn't deserve to have that. But I think the real reason these guys are playing, you pointed this out to me on one of the plays. I think, it was, I think it was when Conklin made that catch. Oh, yeah. You see Uzama on the sideline. He just does like a first down celebration, like rotates his arms, like this very yeah, precise, cool-looking celebration. That's a that's a hack at guy right there. God. So I so I try to give them the benefit of the doubt, the coaches, because like these guys, they, they aren't idiots. Like they have these jobs for a reason. So I try to give them the benefit, benefit of the doubt that there's a real reason they're making these decisions that – we're just not getting us peasants out here who don't understand anything. But the more you watch the games and you just see the way that things are going, it's just it's it's hard to see any other reason for it besides they just like these guys. They're the veterans. They're the cool guys in the room. Anything besides that, it's it's just hard to see any real reasoning. And it's I think that's why they don't give you the reasons when they say it in the press conference because they don't want to come out and say. These are the vets, so we're playing them. We're paying them the most money. They have the most experience. They're playing. So that's probably the real reason, and you would understand why they don't want to say that. Because anything other than that, football-wise, is just not justified by what we're seeing on the film every week. All right, let's talk about the defense here, and with an eye towards Casey. Oh, there's a defense? Yeah, I know. We spent an hour in the offense. <laughs> um, with an eye towards Casey, so I guess we can we can focus in on Casey. If there's anything from the L22 that you saw, feel free to, to throw it in. But I definitely think the big key for this week is going to be third down. And that's That's been a tough down for the Jets the last two weeks. They have not been able to get off the field. Overall, I mean, more so last week, the Dallas game, I wouldn't say it was a – I don't think you can classify that as a good defensive performance, even though they did hold things together in the second half a little bit better. But last week was a good defensive performance, but underwhelming on third down and underwhelming with the pass rush. Uh, the Pats did a good job of you know chipping, going max protect, getting the ball out quick, doing things to kind of mitigate that pass rush. But I think this Sunday against the Chiefs, I mean, it's it's the reason this Jets, the Jets run this defense is because you can beat 
top level quarterbacks, if you can win with four and you could drop everybody into coverage, I would expect a lot of zone. I mean, I'm curious to see how much man they use. Um, I was reading that, you know, the, both the Lions and the Jaguars, who did a nice job stifling this Chiefs offense, played a ton of zone, more zone than the Chiefs saw last year outside of like, I think two games where they faced a ton of man coverage. I am curious to see how much man they would go with because I think these Jets corners are better than all the Chiefs weapons, Travis Kelsey excluded. Although, hey, you have a guy in Sauce Gardner who has the size to, to match up one-on-one with these tight ends. I think this is – I know they last week they're like, we're not going to have – or two weeks ago, we're not going to have Sauce travel with any team's top receiver. That's just not how our defense works. It's like I don't anticipate it early on, but I'm just saying if Travis Kelsey with, with Taylor Swift in the house is going off, I'm not afraid of Sky Moore or Rasheed Rice or Kadarius Tony if he plays. It's Travis Kelsey. It's the Travis Kelsey show every week in KC. Might as well put your best defensive player, arguably your best defensive player, one-on-one with Kelsey. You know he has the ability to shut down tight ends. I don't know. Food for thought. But third down, anyways, is the money down for this team. And they got to get some pressure on Mahomes. Michael, I'll go to you first. What are some matchups you're keeping an eye on? Do you think we're going to see the the manned-up sauce on Kelsey matchup? Or is that just going to be one of those things where if he finds himself in – in Sauce's zone, we'll see it, but otherwise, he's just going to pick on Whitehead and, and Amos all day. I think there's a chance because we haven't really seen the Jets play this type of tight end since last year. The only time they did was when they played Mark Andrews in his debut, and we saw some of that with the one on one matchups against a big time tight end. Other than that, I mean, who was the best tight end they played last year? Oh, I mean, the only tight ends who are in that tier are probably Andrews, Kittle, and Kelsey. Maybe Kyle Pitts has that talent, but he's not really used that way. But regardless, they haven't faced those guys. So I think this is a chance to return to that. And it would make a lot of sense because I think you take DJ Reed and Michael Carter II, even throw Brandon Eccles in there against these Chiefs, Chiefs receivers all day and just trust Sauce Gardner to stick with Travis Kelsey because anyone who's watched the Chiefs, which everyone by this point has watched plenty of them the past few years, most of Kelsey's catches are just him being on the same page with Mahomes and finding places to sit down in the zone. And obviously he can win man-to-man too, part of why he's so amazing. But a good chunk of his production is just those type of catches that always make my dad say, how is he always so wide open? Why do they not even cover him? And, you know, just because they have that communication and he's so smart at finding those holes in the zone. So you – just don't want to play soft like that against this team, I feel like. And it goes – it plays with the offensive mentality too. Like, if we're going to take some chances – because, look, Jets have to be honest and realize that they're underdogs in this game. They need to make the big things happen to win this. So, I think in, the, you know, coordination with that offensive strategy – Bring out the fake punts. Play aggressive. Bring out, bring out the fake punts, which I loved it when they did it. Onside um, kicks. The Cowboys. Kitchen sink. Uh, but – yeah, I mean, defense, like, play some man coverage. And I'm not saying blitz Mahomes because that's kind of proven no, to not work. But, work. you know, put, no. some, put some man coverage out there. Mix it up and, you know, throw some different looks that they haven't seen before because you know, this is a really good offensive line, too. And this is the type of, like, we talked about going into the season. I think the teams that the Jets' defense struggles more against are teams that have the O-line to protect their four-man rush. So the Eagles in a couple of weeks, and I think they're another one because they've really – really good offensive line and you know again i'm not saying blitz but you just throw different coverage schemes out there different looks it could buy your pass give us, rush. More give us a healthy dose of bryce huff please i want a lot of bryce huff in this game yeah. hell even more will mcdonald 
little less Carl Lawson, a little less JJ on passing downs. I mean, I'm really throwing the the pass rushing kitchen sink here. The thing I would expect KC to do, which you saw Dallas do a little bit, but it just seems like such an Andy Reid thing to do in this game, is go up tempo, even early. You know, I think that's one way to kind of exploit this Jets style of defense, this all gas, no break style of defense. It also doesn't allow the Jets to rotate their pass rushers, especially if the Jets offense is doing nothing and that's and three and outs and this defense is back on the field. I would really expect Casey to come out and push the pace and just try to just tire this Jets defense out and have them have one of those games where they have, you know, 85, 90 plays. Like or they just did against the Dallas. moment you get the Al Woods defensive line on the field, just hurry up <laughs> yeah. the rest of the way. Exactly. Score. Exactly. Um, you know, the, the, this is really going to come down to defensively is can they force Mahomes to make the mistakes like they did Allen? You know, can they create those big plays? I, I think Mahomes more so than Allen is willing to take the underneath stuff because that's what the Jets are going to do is and it's what Saul did to him in the Super Bowl up until he had that big completion to, to Tyree Kill is take away the big explosives. I mean, that's what Casey's known for is you see the, the highlights of the 60-yard touchdowns. Take away those big plays and force Patrick Mahomes to play boring football from within the pocket. Problem is, is I think Mahomes has shown that he will do that more so than Josh Allen. He'll, like you said, I mean, Travis Kelsey's so good at finding the holes in the zone. He will do that. He'll go underneath the Kelsey. He'll throw to his running backs. Hell, he'll scramble for yards. And I think you're going to see a boring style of, of play from KC of quick passes, methodically working the way uh, their way up and down the field, slow, long drives. And it's going to be on the Jets to hold them to three when because the Chiefs are going to get the yards. They're going to be in field goal range. Hold them to three. But it's also going to be they're going to have to create some turnovers. They're going to have to force some fumbles or force Mahomes into a mistake or create a big sack to put Kansas City in that third and 15 where they can bring Huff and McDonald in. I mean, that's really really what it's going to come down to is if they limit the big plays, I think they, they'll keep them in this game. Because I do, I do like the matchup um, with the secondary against these Chiefs weapons. Like you said, this is a good KC offensive line, and that's typically the type of offenses that this Jets defense can struggle with. You know, case in point, Dallas week two. But I think heavy dose of Bryce Huff, heavy dose of Will McDonald, maybe a little sauce on, on Kelsey action. And Mahomes has struggled against the zone the first two weeks. So, I mean, they dominated the Bears last week. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm not too optimistic about their chances. But are there any other matchups you're kind of keeping an eye on um, on the offensive line or anything like that? I mean, I think, I think interesting that you mentioned they could go with the dime package, bring Eccles out there, and then man up. Sauce one on one with with uh, with Kelsey. Yeah. I'm just trying to give you time to think. Is there anything on the D line O line that you're looking at? Or oh yeah, there's definitely. I mean, Quinnen against Joe Tooney's going to be great because they'll <laughs> match up a lot with Quinnen. I mean, great to watch if you like football. I mean, it's I don't. Just, uh, you don't. It's all pain. I all pain even. and suffering. I don't even like it anymore. I don't even enjoy it. I don't really enjoy other football games if I'm being honest. But um. Uh, there's nothing happening. Did I see a free agent? Like I two years I, ago. I mean, yeah. I weren't the Jets like yes. rumored to sign yes, him, or yes. we wanted to sign him, or whatever. Yes. But anyway, that'll that'll and be he good. With the Super Bowl contending Kansas City Chiefs, what the hell? What a bad yeah, move. I mean, why would you want to go there instead of the Jets? Like you want to you want to take the challenge and get more legacy points. Build the wall. That's ex- that wall is looking so sad right now. Maybe, yeah. they, maybe they should stop decorating the wall if they keep losing. Week one's wall looks I mean, sick. Are you going to keep going? Like, yeah, they keep putting up photos. Even, 
What photos they even put up for? You lose every single game. Like which one? Which what picture do you think they put up for the last one? Probably some random tackle with Mosley and Quincy Williams. Yes, defensive stuff. Maybe Nick Bodden's touchdown. So I mean, what what do you think of Salah's mantras? Too many. I like. Salah. I feel like he is too many. I like Salah. He's he had a new one right like last now. week. What was the one with Garrett Wilson? He was like. He had each other's a shirt or something. Or something. Like, we have yeah. each other's backs or something like that. Or we got each other or something like that. I think their their no, mantras so. are good, but he just says too many. Did, it feels like. What do you think about the? What do you 10. think about the hot seat stuff we've been seeing about Salah? I mean, I think there's no chance he gets fired this year because I think he's tied to Rogers. So, you know, at the very least, he's here next week, next year, and we get the Rogers experience, and then we see what happens. But, you know, you could criticize some of the moves they've they've made. You can criticize not having a better plan in place if Rodgers went down, not bringing in another backup quarterback. But I think the 2022 draft class and then luring in Aaron Rodgers buys them some time. But I will say, assuming they change the uniforms, we're going to look back on these uniforms as like the saddest era of Jets football ever. I mean, just like mono Gase year, year one. Then you have the blowing the tank for Trevor, year two. Year three, you have rookie Zach, worst defense in football last year you have you know collapse zach looks like a bust and then this year you have rogers popping his achilles i mean what a what a era for this jets uniforms i mean jesus what a rough five season right we'll see how it ends maybe zach wilson leads them on a magical playoff bird but geez i can't wait for them to get out of these unis yeah, and then 20 years people are going to be so. calling for the, these throwbacks let's get the gay throwback <laughs> gay throwback that's a, and, but at least we're going to these 80s uniforms. That was a very successful era. Well, you'll see them again this Sunday. There. I mean, they had some good years, but I mean, like I was talking to your dad about why he doesn't like, he's not as big of a fan as other people. And it's because, you know, he associates it with some of the bad years they had in those uniforms. So it's not like there's a other, I, really the best era is, I mean, obviously they won the Super Bowl and those Namath uniforms, but the, you know, I mean, that is basically the same uniform as the one they brought back in. 98. All right, reel it in. This is too early for the uniform talk. Oh, oh okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's get. Um, let's go. Like back, back on top. Yeah, back on topic. Uh, Sala? Yeah, Sala. Keep Mahomes in pocket. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to still give him a chance with with Rodgers next year because, you know, he's going to stay. Seem, definitely seems like Rodgers likes him and was Sala was a big part of why he was willing to come to the Jets. So, I think he's going to get that chance, and um, I'm willing to give it to him. I mean, not to you know fully excuse this year just because one player gets hurt, but it's you know, we all watch this team. We know how close they are to being a playoff championship caliber team, and it's just quarterback has really held them back, and it's there's only so much he can do about it. In terms of the lack of a fallback plan, that's more so on, and, and we don't know how much Salah plays into this. Maybe he does have a big hand in it, but that's more on Douglas, I think, for not getting someone in March when they could have had Bridgewater, Minshew, Dalton, resigned Mike White, like actual good backups. So that's probably more on him. I don't love the answers in the press conferences, but honestly, I don't care about that at all. It has nothing to do with winning. Uh, so I don't know. I think players seem to really like him. I don't think the team has any issues with playing hard. And also, people love to criticize coaching when the team commits. It's the penalties. I think they're one of the lowest in penalties this year, so you yeah. can give them that for the discipline. So I don't know. I don't have too much of a problem with him right now. It's 
it's never fun when you lose. The answers are never going to be fun to listen to, but what is he going to do? You know, the only thing that kind of question is, I wonder if he cares and, and just the regime in general cares a little bit too much about culture and locker room versus winning because, you know, some of those on field moves with personnel like Kuzama playing a lot, like Cobb, it's like, like we said, it's kind of hard to find any reason other than those are our veterans as to why they're playing, you know, because on field, it's hard to see the reasons why. So right. I wonder if they are valuing that a little bit too much over actual on field talent, because, you know, as, as important as culture is, I think winning leads to a good culture much more so than a good culture leads to winning. And that's yeah. something that I think, Teams miss sometimes. So I do wonder if maybe he's a little too culture-leaning if that's getting in the way of making uh, moves that go towards winning. Maybe, maybe I don't maybe know. I think that's a tough but... criticism. I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, we don't see him in terms of, like, the position coaches. I've always wondered, like, how critical are they in terms of, like, he's very much on positive reinforcement. But it's like, okay, yeah, but you you got to tell Al Woods when he's fucking up a certain player. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how critical are they as, as coaches? I think you saw a little I mean, bit. Of, Hard knocks did. That's what give I'm some re- Is that what you're gonna say? Yeah, yeah like you kind of saw they a little bit more. The position area. coaches are a lot tougher, and Saul had a few tougher speeches on the on the team. So I don't know. I mean, look, the I make fun of the the uniform era, but that's the Joe Douglas era, and it's like at the end of the day, it's a results driven business. I think that historic 2022 class and Lauren Rogers buys Douglas at least 2024. But I think the Jets. The one thing the Jets have we know doesn't work is constantly firing coaches, constantly firing general managers. I think we felt like, okay, we have some sort of stability the last few years of bringing this organization out of the mud. But at the end of the day, it's like, there's still some mistakes being made and they should have had a better contingency plan for Rogers. We'll see what it looks like this Sunday. Oh, God damn it's week four. What are we fucking doing? It's not the season we were supposed to be having Michael um, offense. I mean, we've kind of covered it already, but I think, yeah, it just sounds like I'm selling a bill of goods if I come on here and be like, I'm optimistic about Zach Wilson this week, and then for him to just go out there and just shit the bed. But I do have a feel. I have a feeling this is going to be the best Zach Wilson we get. I'm not saying the Jets are going to win this game or that it'll even be amazing, but I think we're going to get a, a good Zach Wilson performance here simply by virtue. I think they're just going to have to be throwing. I think the pressure isn't really on. I mean, I guess, actually, how do you feel about that? It's like the Jets aren't expected to win this game. They're going to throw early. But again, this is Sunday Night Football. The Boo Birds are going to come out, although maybe not. Maybe the Taylor Swift, you know, positivity is in the in the stands. Chiefs <laughs> fans aren't going to be booing as easily. But it's like, how do you feel about the pressure on Zach Wilson in this game? Do you feel optimistic about getting a good Zach Wilson game if they do unload the playbook a little bit and live with the mistakes? Or do you feel like this is a big spot for him? It kind of feels like it's his last chance to really do anything, prove himself to the fan base. I mean, if he has a really tough game here again, it's like one and three, then you're heading to Denver. It's like then you're kind of starting to turn towards Simeon if things really get ugly on Sunday. But again, if he has a good performance and even if they lose, it's like, all right, you can buy into maybe the Jets being 500 this year. So what do you kind of feel about the pressure on, on Zach Wilson's shoulders this Sunday? Well, I can see the argument for this being a low-pressure situation i mean after losing to the patriots again and playing the way he did and having joe namath call him out it's kind of hard to get lower than that i know i know he is you know probably playing for his job again at this point so there's pressure in that and prime time and it's the chiefs but at the same time like he's been benched twice and last week was 
such a low point in terms of like again failing to get over that Patriots hump. So it does kind of feel like a situation where it's like, what more does he have to lose? But at the same time, I just don't really know if that situation necessarily gets the best out of him because, like, I, that's the narrative. But like, then you would think he would well in that Cowboys game a couple weeks ago at the end. That was, was like, okay, you lost the, the game Sunday. already, so just sling it. But then he threw three picks. So yeah, I but mean, he. I don't really yeah, know that, if that, that necessarily gets the best out of him. That's true. He did throw those three picks towards the end of the game. I was going to say that two-minute drive when they really just let him throw and he was scrambling a lot. I mean, they had success. When he's not thinking, he's better. I mean, look, this is – we're trying to make – you know, what's what's the saying here? I mean, I, the, I know the, nice, the nice that. way is like lemonade out of lemons, but there's probably something with yeah, shit something like that, that we could use. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, we're trying to be – make something out of Zach Wilson. But this really does feel kind of like a – a last chance type of thing. I mean, we'll see. It's, I don't think it has to be that drastic. It's week four, but like, man, I mean, if he goes out there and just shits the bed and the boo birds come out, I mean, and he really, really turns into a disaster, I just don't think he'll. I mean, I think most people have kind of given up on Zach anyway, but <sighs> we'll see. Um, I don't know. I th- it was definitely the problem that I saw Sunday on film is there were a number of windows that were open, could have been tight, and he didn't throw it. He was, he was like, don't turn the ball over. And it's like, yeah, well, at the end of the day, if you're going to be an NFL quarterback, you kind of have to – I mean, Darnold was almost too much on the other side where it's like he trusted his arm too much at times. And he'd throw interceptions and he'd, some boneheaded picks. But you kind of have to have that that arrogance. I think it's that coupled with give him easier situations. Let him throw on first down. Let him throw when the defense is stacking the box, single high, base personnel. And then let him build a play action game off that. I mean, I think that's the real thing. Don't just run it straight into Chris Jones on first down for one yard with Dalvin Cook. And then another run. Now we're third and ten. Uh anything else on the offense before we get out of here? I mean, that was not our most in-depth preview. Oh, I guess we could do where the Jets are better and some random predictions. But I don't know if you have anything else in terms of matchups and and whatnot. Uh I actually there was something I want to, I want to talk a little bit about what I thought of the defense last game a little bit. Um, because it was interesting, it's another game. Yeah, we're all over the place in this one. <laughs> it's we, we didn't get super organized, which was mostly my fault because I was like struggling to find the motivation to do it. But we're, we're fighting through, and it might be a little bit scattered, but we're going to try to get to everything. Hey, we made it through 2020, defense. Mike. We did preview pods for 2020. We can get through that. We can get through anything. Yeah, we were talking travel. Although, I don't know. This is, this, That's this, what this all goes back this to. Is putting man. up a fight. This all goes back to them fucking winning those goddamn games against the Rams. I have my reactions recorded to that Rams game. And, like, like going into this year, maybe going into 2022, it was like, ah, oh, that's funny. Like, who cares about that at this point? But now, Perfect. at this point, I look back at that, and I was like, I think that guy was right. He was on to something, being mad about that. Save us, Rodgers, 2024. But, but anyway, defense, like... It's one another one of those games where on the scoreboard, you know, at the end, 13 points, any day of the week, you take that. Uh, but at the same time, I, I was a little disappointed with the way they played. Um, and all the credit, at the end, it was a, still a good game for sure. And you give them all, all the credit for that second half when they forced, what was it, like six or seven punts in a row. I'm pulling it up right here. Yeah, six punts in a row, including those last two drives where three and outs when they absolutely needed to get it. So, it was a good game for sure, but you know, considering the circumstances at home, Mac Jones, not a great Patriots offense. 
poor weather, which favors the defense. Considering those things, is a little underwhelmed. And they did have two missed field goals, so that could have put them at 19 points. Um, but you know, it's really just a lack of game-changing plays, which you know the Patriots did everything they could to avoid that. They were getting the ball out quick. They weren't really letting the pass rush get home. But um, you know, at the end of the day, zero sacks, zero takeaways. Uh, they gave up a lot of third down conversions, and the Jets' offense never started a drive on the Patriots' side of the field. So I, I did want to see a little bit more dominance from them, and they rebounded well in the second half. But the first half was definitely shaky, and they, like I said, they were a couple missed field goals away from it being a 19-point half. So that first half was pretty bad, I think, all things considered. Second half they rebounded, but I expected more, and there are some things to do better. I think talking about personnel and offense, I think defensively you, you can talk about it too. More Will McDonald on third down, less Jermaine Johnson because, I mean, not that you want to give up on him, but you know he can still play a lot of reps but not play on third down as much because he's just not winning too much as a pass rusher. Um, so, and, and I feel like Bryce Huff could play more. Like We've seen two straight games for him making really good plays against the run. I don't think he's so bad against the run where it's like, get that guy off the field and situation he's just an automatic 50 yard touchdown if he's on the field for a run he's not that bad you can deal with him maybe missing a one run play here or there to get as many Bryce Huff pass for snaps as possible so I, I think you could look at that as well but um but yeah defense has, has been okay but we know they're capable of better than I think what they've shown these past couple weeks all right Michael where the Jets are better Want to get into that? Any, any other thoughts on this on this preview? Let's get into where the Jets are better. All right, here we go. Quarterback. I feel, like, I feel like this one won't be. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, there could be a couple difficult positions, but we'll see. All right. Quarterback, Jets or Chief? Who's better? Um, I mean, Simeon does definitely makes this interesting. Uh, all right. Running back, Reese Hall, Old Man, Dalvin Cook, and Michael Carter. Versus Pacheco, McKinnon, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Pretty good. Actually, pretty good stable for the Chiefs. But, I mean, Brees yeah, is the best. I mean, you got to go Brees, but, I mean, Dalvin Cook really drags down the effectiveness of the whole unit. How but long, we'll, we'll how long until we get a Banacanda or even Carter over him? Well, in, in fairness, they have decreased Cook's snap count pretty significantly in back-to-back games. So, we'll see if that continues going that way. Especially because Carter, I mean, he was – Blocking his ass off in that game, a ton of great block. Oh my god, so the one, the one that he came and that. flipped the guy over the a gap and the a gap. I mean, that was elite. Yeah, that's block. the type of thing the coaches will love. So maybe that will get him some more snaps. All right, Cook. receiver. We have Garrett Wilson, Lazard, Randall Cobb, McCole Hardman, Xavier Gibson versus Kadarius Tony. If he plays Sky Moore, Valdez Scantling, Justin Ross, Rasheed Rice, which unit would you rather have? Jets. All right, here we go. Jets on a roll. Uh, offensive right. tackle, we got Becton and AVT versus Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor. Much different, much different conversation now with AVT. I'm going there. Jets here. Um, I'm going Jets over Donovan Smith and Jawan yeah, Taylor. I mean, Donovan Smith is pretty old. He hasn't been great. He's it's the interior. Of this yeah, the Chiefs. Chiefs I mean, interior. Taylor is a really good pass blocker. His run blocking is not known as being great. Although he was cheating in that Lions game. And he he got like five penalties in that second oh, game because they started cracking down on that. Um, See if he does it again. I mean, AVT, 
He's going to need to against Bryce Huff. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, that, that's a maybe these tackles, edge rushers have a chance to do something. Yeah. Uh, do we want to go Jets or push? On the OT, I'm going Jets. Beckton and AVT versus right. Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor. Let's do it. Let's Joan do Jet. it. Interior is a much this different is part story. of the week where I start buying in. Yeah, the Jets could do this. All right, interior, pretty clearly, I would say, Chiefs here yeah. with Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, who everybody knew was going to be good, and Joe Tooney. Versus, Would they take over him? Uh, Trey Smith, I think he was like a six-round pick, and that was, what, 2020 or 2019? What year was that? Gonna, no, 21. Oh, it's 2021, so Carter? Or is that Sherwood? <laughs> so, yeah, we're getting to Sherwood, Eccles. Defensive and, guys. I mean, Carter. Pretty good. Michael, uh, both, both Michael. I mean, look, the, good Zach Wilson pick, and then even like the Elijah Moore pick, waters down how good that class could be. But I would still say it's – it's a solid class. I mean, you have AVT, get Michael Carter the second. We'll see. If, I mean, I guess maybe not solid. We'll see what Sherwood is. It was two, at least two good starters. Yeah, if you got. Which is kind of the going rate for we'll most see, We'll see about Carter and Sherwood and Eccles, kind of what they end up being. But, I mean, I don't know. <sighs> Defensive. Although end. more turned into Tipman. So. That's true. I know. People were talking about there's rarely any three-team NFL trades with the whole Lillard trade yesterday, and I was like, the Jets trade for Aaron Rodgers was pretty much a three-team trade with the, with the Browns. And it was essentially Elijah Moore in our third for that second, and then we could trade it to Rodgers. I mean, I don't know. It's the whole thing. Defensive end. Jets or Chiefs? We got, we got JFM, Bryce Huff, Jermaine Johnson, Will McDonald versus Carl Aftis, Mike Dana, like this is pretty clearly a Jets Jets dub. Interior is going to be interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll give the Jets a dub, but I, I will say I've seen a lot that Karlaftis has been balling out, so we got to watch out for him. Oh, God. All right, uh, defensive tackle. Got Chris Jones and Derek Nandi for, versus Quinn Williams and Quentin Jefferson and Al Woods and Solomon Thomas. I mean, it's Quinn versus Chris Jones. I think I'll give it to the Chiefs. Chris Jones probably a slightly ahead of Quinnen, maybe one of the two guys ahead of him. Close. And just because I think Al Woods is so bad, I, I just gotta be honest. Like I, anytime he run defense is good, but like the pass rushing is such a zero. It's like it, because Jets fans watch the games and a lot of times they'll say, "Where's the pass rush? Where's the pass rush?" Usually the play they're talking about has Al Woods on the field just standing there at the line of scrimmage. So I don't know. That's a pet peeve of mine. They got to bring back Tanzel, who, by the way, got cut off the practice squad. So, yeah. See if he gets brought back. How are we doing? I know. Um, line, I'm surprised he didn't get cleaned Our by anybody. really aged poorly. Yeah. Uh, linebacker, we got Willie Gay, who's talking a bunch of shit this week. I mean, it wasn't crazy, but he just kind of <laughs> laughed when talking about the Jets' offense. Nick Bolton versus CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams. Ulbrich thinks Quincy's think playing. Linebackers is, are playing pretty good. Yeah. Let's go with Jets. Whoa, Jets Jets have the lead right now. All right, corner. I, I'm going to be honest. This one's pretty easy. You got to go Jets here too. This happens every the fucking Jets week. better than the Chiefs? The Jets are better than every team, I think, so far. Uh, safety, Whitehead, and Amos, assuming Joe, uh, Adams is out, versus Justin Reed and Brian Cook. Well, they, that's a pretty good duo from what I understand. I don't yeah. know a ton. I mean, Jordan Whitehead's kind of gone back to being last year Jordan Whitehead, last year version of himself. 
over the last last two games. I think he was the guy at fault on that Farrah Brown touchdown. I Either him or Sauce. honestly didn't watch it too closely, rewatching it, but um, we can say wash. All right, push there. Yeah. All right, special teams. We don't know about cheap special teams. We'll keep it off. Uh, well, with that, the Jets are a better team. So, with that said, Michael, yeah. I'm predicting a big dub this Sunday. I, I just don't think people know anything about football. They just <laughs> just look at who's, Chiefs and Jets, and they're like, Chiefs are better. They don't actually analyze like we do. Who's so. the X factor? Who's the Jets X factor? Last week you said Mosley and I said Brees. Both seem to be wrong. So I feel like Mosley had a pretty good game. It wasn't – they did, like we said, we talked about stopping the tight ends, running backs. They didn't do that giving up a huge touchdown to a blocking tight end, essentially. Um, all right, X-Factor in this game, Zach Wilson. No, we got to pick someone better than that. Do you have one that comes to mind immediately while I stall? I was covering Kelsey. I kind of want to put Sauce, but I feel like it's going to be a heavy mix of Whitehead and the linebackers. And But I'll put Sauce. I think Sauce needs a big game. I think we could use a, a Sauce turnover. Sauce matching up with Kelsey. I don't know. I'll go sauce for the X Factor. All right, so I will go with the defense here. I'm going to say Bryce Huff. All right. Going against those tackles, that's maybe the weaker spot of the – specifically, no, because Huff lines up on the right side usually. He'll face that left tackle. And, uh, I mean, he's been moving this year actually. But either way, I think if the Jets want to win this game, it's going to require a big defensive play, which – they haven't been able to get the last couple weeks when they won their first game. They had a lot of big defensive plays, and I think that's going to have to be their formula this year. So I look at Bryce Huff, the way he's been playing, a lot of pressures. I think he's really close to breaking out for that big sack where he gets the ball out, changes the game. I think he's got a shot to do it in this one. All right. Um, random predictions for offense and defense. I won't even bother reading out ours from last week because they were way off. Let's see, two random predictions. All right, I, I got a good one. Okay. So the Chiefs are going to hit a big passing play to Travis Kelsey. It's going to be the opening drive, maybe like maybe like 30 yards, just Jets bust the coverage or something. No one gets toasted, but it's like, who's covering him? So he hits like a 30-yard reception. It's his first catch of the game. So what does the broadcast do? Obviously, they go up to the press box. They're showing Taylor Swift. He's going crazy, but... The Chiefs run hurry up. You don't see the start of the play. What is this? And because they're so focused on showing her. All right, all this and down. you get back to the field, and Mahomes already has the ball. Bryce Huff is coming in, and he absolutely destroys him <laughs> with a strip sack. It gets recovered by okay. Jermaine Johnson, and he right, runs it right. in for a touchdown. Okay. Okay. That's my random prediction. <laughs> Covered by Jermaine Jets Johnson. Jets are winning this game. For a touchdown. Nice. All right. And well, that was so good. I won't, I won't even ask play. for another one. That was so good. I won't even ask for another one. I'll say we get a special teams fake of some sort, whether it's an onside kick, a fake field goal, or a fake punt. I think we get a little special teams trick play. Actually, maybe just trick play in general. You know what? I'll I'll broaden it up. You go hyper specific. I go as broad Mom as possible. Quarterback pass. I'll go. I'll go some successful trick play. I don't know if it's a yeah, if it's a Randall Cobb throw or whatever it is. I think they'll dig into the bag of tricks for this week and. We'll see something. And outside of that, man. Throwback uniforms are back. Yeah, yeah, no, come on. Uh, 
I'll say the Jets force two interceptions. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to predict an interception here. I'll go DJ Reed interception. How about that? Oh, throw him back to when he picked him up. Uh, picked him yeah. off at Kansas State. Yeah, exactly. All right, Michael. You're two and one on the season. I'm one and two. I've predicted Jets wins every week, so I don't feel like I can do that again. (laughs) Um, What are you predicting for this one? My score is pretty close last week, just the wrong team. I said 14 10. Jets would win. I had 20 to 10. All right, let's hear it, Michael. What's the prediction? Uh, I'm going to say Chiefs 27, Jets 13. Is it close at all? I feel like it's going to be a game, a close game throughout, and then they pull away later. That's kind of what I'm feeling too. I'll say, I'll say 24 to 17 Chiefs, but I think it'll be like 24 14, and then the Jets like kick a field goal on the last drive as like a morale win. We only lost so like, like one a fake score. one score game. Yes, yeah, a fake one score game. 24 17 Chiefs. That's oh, that would. I, I think this spread is nine and a half right now, so that would. Be a bummer for some people. Yeah, I think I think they'll cover. I think they'll cover. I think it'll be a close, close game. I think we get a relatively good Zach Wilson game. I mean, relatively, but I don't think it's enough. And I think Mahomes is frustrating and has the ball for the entire game. (laughs) High time of possession. One last, one last pick for both of us. Do you think Zach Wilson finishes the game? Yes. I don't think we see our guy boil. I think we get full Zach Wilson game. I'll put that in. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say yeah. Full Zach Wilson game. That's your other prediction. All right. We'll see. Sunday Night Football. This is not the way we thought it would be, but to wait all day just to watch the Jets in primetime get embarrassed by a bunch of Swifties. Looking forward to it. Uh, follow us at CYJ Pod. Follow Michael, Michael underscore Nania. Myself, Ben W. Blushington. Go to JetsXFactor.com. Best place to go for Jets content. Check out some of the other Jets X Factor pods. We upload them all to the YouTube, which you, uh, which you Jesus, I'm normally good at this, which you can subscribe to at Jets X Factor. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes if you can. I think that's it. Michael, last thoughts. Throwback uniforms to return. It's going to be a great uniform matchup. Primetime football, Chiefs Red versus Jets yeah. Throwbacks. Just, I just want them to keep it close. Just Can Zach Wilson have a nice game where maybe he throws two or three touchdowns over 250 yards? Keep it kind of close. Defense makes. I was going to say, plays. when was our, our when was the Jets' last primetime win? Then I remembered it was two weeks. Ago. Yeah, week one. I was week there. One. But all right, I was thinking because I was thinking of watching them on TV. So when was the last one before that? Ah. They didn't win one twenty-one or twenty or nineteen. Is it Darnold? Yeah, they didn't win Arnold week one. Darnold week one against the Lions. I guess so. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right, let's get out of here. Considering you know weeks here didn't really feel like a win, so this this is an opportunity to actually have fun on prime time for once. I so, so wanted to be a, the win. An amazing morale, you know, just complete change of the mood. I just don't feel like it would be be, awesome. I just, I feel like it's unserious for me to predict a win here, but come on, Zach. First three games predicting Jets wins. (laughs) You can't go again in this situation. Come on, Zach. Just make it close, please. I don't want to deal with sad Nanny the rest of the season. (laughs) All right, we're out of here. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. Go Jets.